This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. This week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. And it is Red River Shootout Week. And we've got a lot to, to talk about here. Texas had a decommit earlier in the week. They've got some other commits looking around to take some visits. Uh, we're going to talk about all those things and more, but before we do that, Hudson, how's it going? Going good, Mike. It's... Like you said, Red River Shootout Week, it's hate week. I mean, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I'm just, I'm excited for the state of recruiting pod, but I'm even more excited for talking Texas when we can kind of break down the game. So overall, just, you know, amped. It's only a few days away. Yeah, um, it's exciting. Before we get into the Red River Shootout, let's talk about the big news of the week. Jonah Wilson, the four-star wide receiver commit out of Spring Caney, Decommitting just, uh, I think, an hour, hour and a half before the the games kicked off on Saturday. Um, in, in what was a surprise to a lot of people, including a lot of people on campus at Texas, I think that they had felt, um, you know, everything was good there, especially after they had been out uh, the previous week to see Jonah in action. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Brandon Marion Hudson, you were there, you you uh, at that game, so you saw them there, and I think that they felt like they had talk to him and everything was, was okay. And it talking to a lot of people near Jonah, um, a lot of it was, uh, Hey, he just kind of wants to take a step back and evaluate this and, um, you know, still considering Texas, but kind of see what's going on. I do think, however, the way it went down, I, I probably hurts the relationship a little bit between Jonah and Texas. And I think that would probably have to be repaired uh, before he ends up back in this class. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you, Mike, on the last point about the relationship being needed to, uh, you know, be repaired. And it's just kind of a shame, especially because we talked about it on the podcast and have written about it quite a bit. But Jonah was having one of the better senior seasons across the state of Texas, not just limited to Texas commits, but in general. I mean, he was really lighting it up and 
you know, it, it was one of those things where I even mentioned that night that Houston wasn't giving up on Jonah Wilson, and that was probably the school to watch. And, you know, it, from from talking with sources, it kind of feels like that's where that recruitment's headed, and it feels like a little bit of a short-sighted move. But then again, if he wasn't confident in his decision to uh, play at Texas, then it just kind of makes sense to reevaluate things. So best of luck to him, but definitely a big loss for Texas. I think that the people downplaying it and saying that, you know, Jonah Wilson was only a low four-star. Like, I I don't think he'll be a low four-star for much longer, to be completely frank. So, you know, I I don't necessarily buy that angle, but the timing and everything else was just a little bit odd. Yeah, I mean, it was – it certainly was. And I think had, you know, Houston, who – let's be clear, very, very easily could be 0-5 right now um, this season. I think if they were having the season maybe many expected them to be, that flip would be done. I think that there is a little uncertainty on that part. And I do think the one thing that kind of keeps him in play for Texas is their kind of desire for size on the outside. He fits a unique need. It's not like, okay, we lost Ryan Niblett. Let's go find another small, fast guy. It's like, we, you know, this is the guy we loved – as this big athletic outside wide receiver. And he was showing everything we, you know, believed in this season. I, I think that part is extremely unfortunate for, for the Texas coaches. Absolutely, Mike. And I think that now it's just a little bit interesting, you know, with DeAndre Moore on the board um, and, you know, Texas, you broke the news that he's going to eventually take an official visit to Texas. That's interesting. I, I you know, person, I mean, we both, don't necessarily think that Mikel Harrison pilot um, is, is a, uh, I guess, take or lean right now. Maybe uh, he would be a take, but it seems like TCU is in a little bit of a better spot. Um, but, you know, maybe they start to evaluate some other options in state and across the board nationally. I think somebody we've mentioned on the program a couple times um, is Fluorville Weiss's uh, Micah Gifford, who's a Baylor commit who satisfies kind of what they might want for the bigger size receivers while also maintaining some of that athleticism. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Jalen Hale and Jonah Wilson, both not going their way is a little bit of a tough break, even though, since Brennan Marion uh, got to Texas, I think he's done a really good job at the position. Yeah, I think so too. And if he lands DeAndre Moore, you know, maybe you're still searching for size on the outside, but it is important to remember you're you're getting Isaiah Naor back next year from injury. That's essentially like getting a, you know, another new player. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's found money at that point who gives you that size on the outside. The portal is there. I talked to a source of Texas who basically said, Hey, look, we're probably just going to look into taking the best receiver in the portal every single year. So um, I think that is a position where you can always add, um, you know, a guy here or there to to kind of spice up what you have. That's not the only like kind of, uh, you know, I guess negative news for the, for this class. Um, And really when you saw the week between Texas tech and West Virginia, a lot of that, negativity from tech started to kind of seep into the class. You know, you've got the Jonah Wilson news. You had Jonte Cook took a visit to Oregon. I, there was nothing really much to that from what Jonte told me and the people around Jonte told me. I think it was just a trip on his bye week. Um, 
and I do like I get told that a lot. I I do know Jonte well enough that I I'm pretty sure I trust him uh, on that. Uh, but Malik Muhammad announced that he's going to take visits to Texas A&M and Alabama. Not a total shock um, when you kind of consider what we've been telling you all along with this recruitment. Even for I get I think from the time Malik committed, um, we've talked about the you know the fact that hey this one's going to be tough to hold on to. You're going to have to fight it out, and you're going to have to, you know, fight off schools like A&M and Alabama. So um, in talking to the people near Manny and people at the Sox uh, program, you know, it just sounds like this was the plan all along. And I think if Texas isn't careful, they could lose their prize quarterback commit if, if things don't go well down the stretch. Yeah, and I think it's one of those uh, one of those deals, too, to where it's going to be fluid, too, where – if Texas gets a big win in the Red River shootout, maybe these visits don't happen if they lo- – like, I don't think that it's necessarily going to just be cut and dry, here are my visits. I, I You know, I think that there's some fluidity to uh, Malik Muhammad's recruitment, which when you're, you know, a top 50, top 75-ish uh, national prospect, you definitely have that type of leeway. Um, I know that it was rumored that Derek Williams might take some visits. So that's another guy, but it's, it's seemingly uh, that he's not going to make those trips anymore. So, I mean, you know, you're good players in your class. If you lose, this is kind of what happens. So it was really important for Texas to get that. I don't know. uh, You know, stabilizing win against West Virginia. And it's the type of win that, you know, programs like, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, or, you know, even like Michigan State on a national uh, level could really use right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a – we'll talk a lot more about the game itself on Talking Texas. And, and But it was such an easy win almost. Like I – Yeah, no stress. It was just – I don't think since like last year against Tech have I – do I remember like a, oh, wow, just from the beginning this game is is theirs and there's – Yeah, there? that would be it. And I think that part is the part of it that recruits can look at and say, okay, that was too easy. And this team can play like that and, and that kind of stability. Had they battled with, with West Virginia, perhaps it would be a different thing. And now they are going to get a beleaguered Oklahoma team uh, coming into uh, Dallas. We'll talk a little bit in a minute about Mike, the – Mike, can I bring up a random thing that we didn't have on our prep sheet? Sure. Is this the time of year to where when you normally start looking at uh, schools that are struggling on the field and like maybe who their best prospects is to try and poach or is that maybe a two week, three week later exercise? Are you asking if I personally do that or if coaches you personally or just sources that you talk to? I think we're still in that part of the season to where it could, you know, Oklahoma could win this game on Saturday and then run off everything from here on out. And then, you know, the early season blips are what they are. Texas could win this game on Saturday and lose down the stretch. So I think it is a little too early. I think when you're getting into late October, that is really when you start saying, okay, what do do we have here? I can remember specifically late October last year, going out to Summer Creek to see Kelvin Banks because we started to hear some things about Mario Cristobal in Miami and the yeah. availability of, of Kelvin Banks. And that's really when things started working. So, um, you know, I, I think late October. Um, like Man, I what a fun time that was, by the way. Yeah. I, I'm going to ah, – screw it. I'll take another victory lap. I got – 
massacred by our board for like three stories last year, and all of them came out to be. Um, uh, it was the Kelvin Banks. It was, hey, you probably shouldn't report that. It's going to hurt the team. It was Terrence Brooks taking uh, in-home visits with Texas and showing late interest. Hey, you shouldn't report that. It's probably going to hurt the team. And it was breaking the news that Quinn Ewers was expected yeah. to enter the portal. And, uh, hey, you shouldn't report that all three of those guys on the Texas trust right now. I understand sometimes how fans will be like, hey, are you double-checking with, you know, staff or whoever like that is one thing I've all I always liked about you Mike slash working with you I've enjoyed is that you're never going to run anything um unless it is double and triple checked which just makes it even funnier uh, uh, yeah I mean you can speak to this better than anybody how, how I'm often the guy that is all breaks no gas on this stuff I'm like hold on hold on hold on I need like three or four confirmations and I need to make sure we are airtight before we're running something like this Exactly. Um, and I guess part part of the reason that I'm asking is because I was looking at Michigan State and Louisville specifically. Obviously, Texas is not going to touch Ruben Owens with the 10-foot pole since Cedric Baxter's been looking so good. And, you know, but more for DeAndre Moore and even a name that we didn't even mention a ton, but like by Joe, but Michigan, the Michigan State commit out of uh, Norman, um, like – I just feel like that's a recruitment that has to get opened up by us because, you know, you're a top 50 ish level player by far the best in that class. And yeah, it's a tangent, but it just feels like those are going to start opening back up as teams on the field start to struggle. Yeah. I just don't think we're in that space where Texas has proven enough yet to where they can start be like, all right, line them up. Who wants to come over here? <laughs> um, they're very still clear. very much back and forth. Well, they will face a beleaguered Oklahoma team. We're going to talk a little bit here in a second about how the recruiting works in this game. But Hudson, you had a big note on um, a the number one or one of the top players in the state for the class of 2024 in Micah Hudson this week. Yeah, top 10 national uh, player in the class of 2024, uh, according to the composite, the number one player in the state of Texas, uh, five-star wide receiver Micah Belton out of uh, – sorry, Micah Hudson out of Lake Belton High School. Uh, down in Temple is going to be at the uh, Cotton Bowl for the Red River Shootout. And this is going to be Hudson's third time watching Texas this year. He was at the Texas-Alabama game, which definitely opened his eyes. And, you know, he gave me a quote, which is basically everybody who watched the game that was, uh, you know, unbiased or, you know, even Texas fans just that, hey, if Quinn Ewers is in that game, Texas is going to beat Alabama. So then he comes for the West Virginia game. It's a good experience. Now, like you kind of were hinting at, Mike, like the recruiting for um, Red River is whoever's the home team gets to handle the invites. And so Micah technically is going to be a guest of Oklahoma on this trip, but in a neutral environment like this, you know, both teams have opportunities to impress. So I'm sure we'll hit a, uh, uh, you know, some of the other recruits that we mentioned, but that's probably the biggest visitor um, that I've been able to get. Yeah, I think um, when you look at, at kind of the key names uh, for this week, you look at guys like um, Micah Hudson, who you just mentioned, a lot of underclassmen. This is going to be more of an underclassman yeah, heavy. 24s. Yeah, the 24s are going to be the guys, because really the guys who are coming on the OU side um, – you know, you've got to look at Colton Vosick, who obviously you've got a chance to make an impression with him there. But 
he is already committed to Oklahoma. It does kind of make it doubly tough to, to flip a guy like that. Um, and, you know, some other p- players will be in attendance. I think we're going to have a full list up later this week. We're working with um, our site, OU Insider, um, who's kind of pulling the list together from their end, and we're uh, helping them with anything we can. Um, but I, I will have a full preview out on uh, on Friday with that. But I think, yeah, this is going to be a, a great chance to kind of show off what you got to the underclassmen. Um, and, you know, again, if you can make that impression on a guy like Vosick, or if you can make that impression on a guy like Marcus Deal, um, who's kind of down to Texas and Oklahoma for his final visit, you know, that's what's going to reap the benefits in the 2023 class. Like the, There are some names, like I, I think Peyton Bowen is expected to be there. Peyton Bowen has not considered Texas for a very, very long time. I guess, like, is there a chance Texas does so much that, they out of nowhere they become a team for Peyton Bowen. I don't know. Probably I would I would bet against it. I, I would like to see it. I would bet against it, but it would be fun to see. Um, you know, it's just little things like that. So um again, if you know, kind of pending what happens in the game, we will grab recruit reactions afterwards and uh and see what happens. All right, before we move on to our high school picks, or Hudson, anything else you want to add about uh, the Oklahoma recruiting stuff? I don't think nothing that's not, you know, obvious, like, hey, getting a big time dub in a spot like this would just take this, you know, puppy to the moon. And <clears throat> I hate to be the the negative guy, but on the other side of the coin, yeah. taking a loss to this Oklahoma team that um, spe- will- it will. And we'll talk about this on Talking Texas. Sorry to cut you off, Mike. Uh, but especially if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play. Yeah. You take a loss to that team, and then you're oh, buddy. You thought the week after Tech was bad. Yeah. Um, well, we'll yeah. Let's not speak that into existence. All right. Uh, before we move, on wood. before we move on to our high school picks and our much anticipated first ad read of the uh, of the show, I do want to talk about Kobe Black, the state's top player in the class of 2024, in the top two four seven. I think opportunity to go see Kobe last week um, against Springtown and Hudson you and I have have been big fans of Kobe I think you know we were like when when it was brought up hey he might be the number one guy I think we were very supportive of that Um, both like his skill set I didn't really know what to expect from him and man he uh, he delivered in a big way five total touchdowns against Springtown four on the ground on offense and then a 90 yard or an 80 yard pick six uh, later in the game, I thought he was pretty sensational, and it sounds like Texas is doing a really good job with him now. The things to know about Kobe are that his brother uh, Corey Black is a starter at Oklahoma State, so he's got some ties there. He went to the Baylor Oklahoma State game last week. Um, LSU seems to be doing a good job early. Arkansas is a school he mentioned a ton and was wearing Arkansas gloves, um, so I can't discount them. But Texas is in contact literally with him every day. He says he gets a text or FaceTime or something from Terry Joseph. Um, and he really just fits the bill as that, that top level corner and, and a really good athlete. And so I uh, just want to drop an update on him and say, uh, you know, how good it is to see Texas recruiting him like a priority. Yeah. And we spent, I want to say two or three podcasts uh, mentioning that, Hey, you know, fans should be paying attention to Kobe Blackmore. This is somebody that we don't get asked for updates about a lot, but needs to be kind of in that covet list. And for me, in 
2024 in state, I kind of view it as Micah Hudson, Kobe Black, and Zena uh, Umizulu or Amozolo in kind of that top tier for me. With like, I'd probably give Mike the edge, but I mean, Kobe's about as verified of a talent as you can find, especially considering like his measurables and how good he is at corner. Like, I think we were talking about it last Friday, Mike, but. It's just one of those players that you watch and you think, okay, in five, six years, I'm just going to be watching him in the NFL. Like it, it's yeah. that's the level to where your you know mind immediately goes. That was kind of the the vibe I felt uh, on Friday night spring count. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about who we're going to see this week. Uh, before we do that, we're going to talk about our high school picks of the week. But before we do that. Oh, it is, it is time. It's time, folks. We're going to take a quick break and you'll hear from our sponsors. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. And what an ad read that was. I feel oh, refreshed. Electric as always. Um, now we move on to our second half of the show. Our high school picks where we bring in our good friend and our guest picker and uh, moderator, it is the great guy, Frazier guy. Um, I know that OU week is your favorite week of the year. Have you been indulging in the hate? Uh, I know you're not a negative guy. You don't love hate, but, like, it is hate week. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy this rivalry and kind of the, the two programs and the rich histories that are involved. But come Saturday, I, I turn into a different animal. Maybe one day we'll go together and you can kind of see that side of me. But, uh yeah, I mean, leading up to it, it's just the slow build, right? Monday, Tuesday is kind of quiet, but the week is here. By the time Wednesday night comes around, we, you know, we record our podcast and Thursday rolls in. It's go time. You know, it's only a matter of time at that point. So, no, I'm, I'm really excited. And uh, like you said, it's my favorite. So, do you, I feel like the national talking point of this game is so much about like, oh, well, these two teams are unranked and it's lost its luster. And I wrote something today, like anybody who's ever watched this game knows that ranked, unranked, whatever, this game doesn't lose luster. Yeah, I think for the the people involved with the two schools, you don't really recognize that. I think that's like a really easy, uh, generic, even lazy talking point that you can kind of look at if you're like a um, – a third party to this game or, or just someone on the national scale. Uh, but for the two, two schools involved and their fan bases and graduates and all that, this game is always the same, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's pure hate during that week and there's, there's a respect to it, but you kind of want to kick the other guy's ass. So 
yeah, you know, all that stuff kind of goes out the window. It doesn't matter who's what and what the, the, the rankings are, records, all that. Between that, the national that national talking point and some big 12 people who work for us trying to get people to boycott the game. I'm just like, guys, this is like one of the coolest things in the world. Like, what are I we did doing my now? biggest thumbs down of all time to that post. That was <laughs> that was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was too try hardish too. It was like, really, that's that's where we're going with this, huh? Yeah. yeah. It's like I mean dozens of us. Yeah, literally dozens. Um, before we get to the picks, I gotta know, and I think we talked to you about this last show on a pod, but I can't remember exactly. Guy, what is your uh what is the the fair the fair park routine uh when you get in? Are you a corn dog in the morning guy? Yeah, no, I'll get a corn dog and I don't know if I'll really get a wax cup beer at that point. Um I, th- I think you can. Uh oh you most certainly I know can. you can, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I usually wait for that till maybe a little bit closer to the kick or post game, but uh, I definitely will get a corn dog, and I'll also go into the uh, the food hall there, the little cafeteria right next to the stadium, and get a cinnamon roll. I can't remember the stand uh, that sells them, but started getting those about three or four years back, and I swear it's the best cinnamon roll on the planet. Um, in fact, I'll go back to the fair just to get that here in a couple of weeks before they close. It's that good. So, are you are you a fair guy afterwards or only after oh yeah. a win or, or how do yeah you- win or lose in fact uh, I had a couple of people ask me that that this week and yeah win or lose I stay it's obviously better if we win uh but either way yeah our, our group of people that we go with will make the rounds and and have a good time all right well let's move on to the picks uh Hudson why don't you intro what we got uh real quick let me recap last week um no we don't have to do that okay i'm just kidding i just had a i had a brutal week and i'm trying double, to double no, true uh double fake out real quick battle of the red rail uh i was the only one with the correct pick the grapevine mustangs uh as an underdog get their first win over colleyville heritage in a quick minute uh really great game uh kind of sad i wasn't able to be there Mesquite Horn gave Rockwall everything they could handle in a nail-biter. Rockwall comes away with the victory. We all picked the Yellow Jackets, but definitely did not cover the uh, 24-point spread. That was one I was like, yeah, I'm totally okay with losing this one. Especially because all three of us picked Rockwall, so it wouldn't have hurt. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. San Antonio Brandeis scores, I believe, 31 straight to come from behind and beat favorite San Antonio Johnson, who we all had. Really fun game. Was super excited to have that one on the uh, pick. Um, And then Temple gets a home victory against Pflugerville Weiss. I still kind of lean to Guy and I's analysis from last week that if that game was in Pflugerville, maybe would have been a different pick. And then lastly, Mike, Kudos for you for picking the underdog Brownwood, but uh, 4A D1 number one Stephenville kind of got it going um, and just routed the arch rival Lions. So, so what I get for leaving the chalk picks and trying to go against the grain and get, get yeah, me you, get, you got cute a couple times. I did. I got way too cute last week. You uh, you kind of mimicked a person that used to be on this show a little bit. So I got too cute. And then, know, sometimes but, it gets old, like just being the straight guy. I agree. I'm w- I'm <laughs> with you wholeheartedly, Mike. Uh, and before I hold uh, handed the baton off to Guy. Records on the year, Hudson 21 and 10, Mike 19 and 12, Guy 19 and 12. So still, so even with that bad week, boy, that 
that Johnson game, I, we were all sending scores to each other in our group text. And I remember sending one that's like, man, Johnson's up big. They're rolling early. And literally, like, it felt like 10 minutes later, Hudson sent one that was like, yeah, Brandeis is all the way back. <laughs> so, what a what a shocker. What a, what a surprise attack on that one. All right, guy, take us away. Yeah, and no, I guess quick note on that. I saw Ty Hawkins was in Austin last week too, right? Oh, yeah. He was. What a quarterback uh, trio they had in Austin last week. Um, with uh, with Ty Kelvin Hawkins, Kelvin Ryan, and Julian Lewis. So yeah, oh, yeah. Kelvin too. Yep, there you go. I had uh, I had an article. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, I had an article up with uh, quotes from Julian Lewis earlier uh, this week. So go check that out. Julian Lewis actually just DM'd me to ask if I could give him the uh, the article I wrote on the quarterbacks of his name. So nice. shout out Julian, friend of the show. All right, guy, take us away. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a pretty good slate uh, this week. One thing I noticed, it seemed like there was a lot of really good small school games, but because of our system, we do four big school, one small school. Uh, had to kind of scavenge through and still found some fun games um, around the state and, and tried to kind of touch each of the hotbeds. So uh, the, the first one here on our five-game slate, we'll go down to the greater Austin area to Round Rocks Dragon Stadium, 7 p.m. Friday. As 6A's number 19 team, the Round Rock Dragons, who are 5-0, host the Maynard Mustangs, who are 4-1 themselves. Uh, according to the DCTF computer, um, Round Rock enters this game as a 10-point favorite. Uh, pretty important game for 25-6A. Uh, it's two of the more competitive teams in the district, but this could be a little bit of a separation game depending on who wins here. So the wheel has spoken. Hudson will go first. I will go second. It seems to be a common theme. Mike will be in the trail. Yeah, I think that this is one of the more intriguing games that we've had to pick lately. I would give the overall talent edge to Maynard um, with guy, USC commit Quentin Joyner, his brother Quintalen at quarterback, uh, Prince Will Umanly Mini, and uh, most uh, state of recruiting. Um, listeners will remember his older brother, Princely. I think Prince Will might even be a better prospect, but um, even though he's highly ranked, he doesn't get a ton of um, attention or love, which is kind of weird. But Maynard is a very good football team. And even like I, I kind of would like to pick them, but on the other side of the ball, Round Rock is just feels like a staple of consistency in the Austin area. And they have some other prospects that I really uh, like. The 2024 corner, uh, Leonard Kevin Moore, I uh, had his dad as a professor at UT. Really, really talented um, football player. And then Ansel Nador on the defensive line. I know that uh, their offense has been pretty solid to start the year. So... My gut would tell me to pick Maynard, but I'm going to go with my brain and pick the uh, Round Rock Dragons. Yeah, so I think Hudson covered a lot of good points there, um, including the fact that Maynard's probably the more talented team from a recruiting standpoint. And they typically are most games they come into. They were they were the same way at the 581 level the last couple of alignments. Um, and now they move up to 6A. With that being said, that's not always – played into their favor. They'll sometimes lose to teams that you think maybe they shouldn't lose to. But then they run into a Round Rock team here that's been one more consistent 6A programs in the Austin area that maybe doesn't get enough attention um, from that standpoint. They've just been a, a model of consistency, and they, they continue to churn out eight, nine-win seasons. 
Um, the, the one separator from a high school football standpoint I kind of looked at here was, while Maynard's 4-1, and one, when they played someone with a pulse last week in Austin Vandy, or Vandergriff to be the, the full name, um, they got squished 34-6. to six. So that's that's kind of a, a data point that I looked at. I was like, that's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm curious where that kind of goes, because you could look at Vandy as the best uh, program in this district. So, um, you know, like I said, leading into this, this might be a little bit of a separator game where I think Maynard's a playoff team in the end. I just don't know if they're in that, you know, top one or two spots. Um, where Round Rock might be. So with that being said, I'm going to go with the Dragons to go 6-0 and after this week. Uh, give me Round Rock. Man, you guys, I, I was really going back and forth in this game. And I really, I, I kind of had a pick in mind, but you guys kind of, I don't know, you uh, gave me some things to think about here. Um I really like the overall talent level of Maynard. I think that one day Quintail and Joyner is going to be a really good quarterback for them. He's just, it's kind of one of those things right now where they haven't been able to, he hasn't really been able to take over um, and make the plays they need him to make. Um, I do like a lot of the individual pieces for Maynard. You guys made, uh, I want to get cute here, but like I'm gun shy after last week. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the chalk. I'll take round rock. I'll probably regret it. I should just – life's too short to bet the under, but, you know, I'll take round rock. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a really good game. I don't think you can go wrong with either, but I think after your week last week, Mike, I think this is a, a safer pick. I think I got to get chalky this week. I think, I think you do. I was able to close that gap, so. Yeah. Y'all can just stay picking the same games, and then I'll just stay in first with my uh, two-game lead. And you know, y'all. Well, I, I sure. mean, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind like picking different from everybody. It's just I've got to have a real strong feeling about that before I do it. I don't have a strong feeling about this game. Fair enough. All right, moving on to game number two. I uh, got another fun game. We'll go to the Houston area or, or greater Houston area um, as we go to 7 p.m. Friday at Texas City Stingery Stadium. As the Texas City Stingarees, one of the elite mascots in the state, who are three and two, will host the number three team in 5A Division II, the Fort Bend Marshall Buffaloes, who are four and one, and block in the house. Um, why did I pick this game? I was looking for a solid Houston area game with, with two teams that we hadn't really focused on in a while or really done anything with in a pick em standpoint. Um, Clear Falls Dickinson was on the list at one point, and this ended up replacing it, but you, you couldn't go wrong. There are some good options. Um, the wheel's spoken here. I'll go first. Hudson will go second. And once again, Mike will be in the trail. Um, I'll keep this short. Texas City uh, kind of put themselves back on the map last year with, I think, a 10-1 season. It was probably their, their best season of football since the, the Foreman Twins were there um, a while back. And before that, you probably had to go a ways back to either the early 2000s or the late 90s when they are going to those state champion or uh, state title games. So a little bit up and down. And this year, they're kind of back into some some choppy waters as they're three and two, which kind of surprised some people because they brought back 12 starters from last year's team. I think what's kind of catching up to them is their youth in the trenches. I know they, they re replace a lot in their front seven on defense, and then they're really young on their O-line. Um 
Fort Bend Marshall is known for their their athletes and their skill guys. I've never really thought of them as having great trench play. Uh, but I think they are kind of the bully on the block in this new district that they've found themselves in. So I'll keep it simple. Uh, give me Fort Bend Marshall to get the win on the road. Yeah, I think that we all had loftier expectations for this Texas City team. And it's good to circle back with the uh, stingeries and just kind of I'm, – I'm happy that this game is on the pick but out of the five games, I think this is probably the one that I'm the most confident selecting and I'm going to take Fort Bend Marshall just because I, I do think they are the better team but at the same time Fort Bend Marshall is a program to where you know week to week in a more competitive district that they're in right now than what they had last year with the Houston ISD schools you never know when they can slip up so I'm, I'm happy that this game was selected but I'm going to keep it simple and go with the uh, buffs and I'll add this too real quick uh, for what it's worth DCTF's computer picked them as a 21 point favorite forgot to mention that I really hate Texas City so like if I lose this I'll gladly you know I guess I'll have to wear a Texas City shirt and that's kind of the the bet we made before the season, right? That's probably the program I hate the most. So um, yeah, you'll be wearing that MacArthur shirt if you. Uh, I I don't know. I don't really hate MacArthur as much as I hate Texas City. So explain this. He's uh, he's <laughs> I was about to say I was I, the Mike I know loves Texas. Uh, Mike Mike loves Texas. Yeah, Stingery's <laughs> one of my fans. Like, can I it's, can I fake them into uh, thinking I hate Texas City and that's the shirt I'll have to wear? It's, it's you're not sneaking anything by me. <laughs> I mean, I hook line singer. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, Mike and I have literally talked about the name of the school, the town, it's, like everything. It's all great. Everything great. about it, I love. I it, this is one that I look at. And I think, okay, if you look at Texas City's losses, they're not bad. They lost to a Galveston ball team who I don't, I haven't kept up with ball, but early in the season were like allowing no points. And they lost to Port Natchez Groves, who's a pretty good team. Um, that's the one common game they have with Fort Bend Marshall. Uh, Marshall actually beat uh, PNG. So that's kind of what I've got to go on. I, I kind of agree with the same points you guys had. I, I think it's just not – I think it's a little too a little too big for Texas City at this point. I'd really love to see a win. with one, I'd be glad losing the pick, but I'll take Marshall. I'm really yeah, excited there's, about there's this. There's one other data point. We had talked about that 7-0 Galveston ball score a couple of weeks ago, and that's kind of stinky. Then the, the following week they played – one of the programs out of Monterey, Mexico, that comes up here every couple of years, and they only won 22 to 19. That type of stuff gave me a lot of pause in picking any thought of Texas City in this game. So, yeah. on the game number three, uh, this one is really fun, I think. It's uh, the one I'm most excited about. Hopefully, hopefully, we give a good breakdown here. I think this is a lot of fun. Uh, 7 p.m. Friday, we go to Burleson ISD Stadium, um, which I believe is on the campus of Burleson High, actually, but. This time it'll be the Burleson Centennial Spartans who are hosting. They're 5-0 entering this game as they'll host the number three team in 5A Division One, the Denton Ryan Raiders, who are 4-1 themselves. Um, a little bit of a shocker. Centennial enters this game as a two-point favorite. Not often that Billy Ryan finds themselves as dogs in a game, um, especially in district play as of late. So, um, let's see. They're both undefeated in three, uh, District 3, 5A, D1. It's a fun matchup of styles, and it's an awesome road test for, for Den Ryan. So, with that being said, the wheel's spoken. Mike will go first. 
So I'll go second, and this time Hudson's in the trail. All right, this is probably I, when I saw this on the pre on the slate when we sent it over. I, I was my favorite game. Um, I think Ryan lost to New Braunfels week one, and everybody was like, I, and they haven't really played anybody since, so nobody really knows if they can trust Ryan or not at this point. Um, and so that's a problem. I think Centennial has a decent resume, although, you know, it's Burleson. I think that Frisco win is the one that stands out of, okay, that's a pretty good Frisco program year in and year out. They're a physical program up front, and, uh, and Centennial kind of handled them. Outside of that, you know, whipping the Saginaw, the Colony, and South Hills doesn't do much for me. I do think it's an interesting style of fight. Um, I, I, I'm honestly extremely conflicted on which way to go, but I've got to make a loyalty play here. Um, oh. I'm going on the side of the great Bill Hughes, secondary coach for the oh. Burleson Centennial Spartans. One of my, my best friend's dad, basically my second dad. Give me my old, my old Joko boys in Burleson. I'll take Centennial. What a lead by Mike. Because he's loyal to both programs here to some extent. So, I'm loyal to all Dallas programs, but this is like family, family. Sure, no doubt. That just is it going to be extra that, loyalty to whatever six A team breaks the streak? So if like Geyer wins it this year in six A D two, yes, get like extra loyalty. Uh, we're doing poking the bear early this week. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, golly, right. hello. Round two didn't matter, huh? Okay, golly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, remind me. What is it? Is it the wing team that that they the flex zone, I think, right? Or is it the um, it's kind of a blend of both. They run a lot of wing T out of the gun, um, but they'll get under center and run more flex bone stuff. So yeah, I mean, it is that type of offense where they are going to ball control, but they've got some athletes um, that they can run it with. I think is is sure. the impressive part. Yeah, so that, that's the thing that kind of makes this game interesting is they can kind of, if they want, and if they run their offense successfully against a good Ryan defense, they can try to cut this game in half, you know, and limit the amount of times Ryan's able to touch the ball. So that that part kind of keeps rolling in my head. I really like Philip Hamilton. Seems like a guy that's been on the high school scene for 10 years at this point. Uh, he's kind of their alpha male and leader over at Centennial. Now I like Chapman Lewis, too, the tech um, commit. Yeah. So – They've got really good athletes, as Mike said, running um, this archaic offense, as as Gabe Brooks would say. But I think it's kind of a fun offense um, in this type of game. But uh, I, you know, with all that being said, I think give me Centennial. I, I like Ryan. I think a lot of people wrote them off after Week One, maybe a little prematurely. But I, I kind of like this game at home for for the Joko boys. So give me Centennial to get the big home one. I was set on taking Centennial. I thought that we were going to do the normal, um, you know, oh, you got to prove that you can beat them. But if y'all are both taking them, then I'm just going to be opportunistic and I'm going to go with Denton Ryan as my pick. Here are a couple of things that I will say, though. While Centennial hasn't played uh, anybody this year, they do have a common opponent with Denton Ryan in the colony and Centennial looked much better against the colony than didn't Ryan did. Didn't Ryan only beating <laughs> the, their, you know, 
district cellar dwellers, the colony, 24 to 10 is like a pretty big red flag. I don't love the fact that New Braunfels ran for almost six yards a carry against Denton Ryan. They got like the unicorns had like 550 yards of offense. So I think that while a lot of times we give the DCTF computer some slack, I do think that I would probably have Burleson Centennial as a slight favorite in this game because I think that the unique offense, the fact that it's at home and that it's a de facto Super Bowl game um, for Centennial, I, I think it all leads to giving them an edge. But if y'all are both going to take them, then I might as well uh, go with Denton Ryan and try to, you know, try to gamify the system a little bit. But yeah, I think. Uh, Guy, you mentioning Philip Hamilton. That's the QB's name, right? Correct. Yeah. Like, that's a great shout because he's just been so phenomenal been for there three, four years. And yeah. then Chapman Lewis, Mike, you kind of put me on to him before he even was committed to Texas yeah. Tech. But that's another guy at Centennial that probably should get more uh, statewide pub than he does. So, listen, I mentioned Bill Hughes, who, like I said, is like a second father to be the secondary coach at Centennial. Bill Hughes is important because he coached, he's coached some really good players in his career, most notably Michael Huff. And he called me when Chapman was a freshman and he said, I got a kid who was better than Huff when Huff was a freshman. And uh, that made me sit up straight where I was and listen. And, and he's been bragging on this kid ever since. So um, I do think uh, he did not quite the speed Huff has, but yeah, really a player. Philip Hamilton, guys, right, has been there forever. Like, I, I saw him making plays the other night, and I'm like, aren't you done yet? Um, and, but Phillip's a, a great kid, and yeah, I think he would be a yeah. great player at the next level. Yeah, yeah and, and I guess the, the one thing I'll say is, while they haven't played the greatest comp, Centennial, they've done what you should do against those teams. Um, and and they've actually played Saginaw and South Hills just like Ryan has, and they came out pretty much the same results. Um, so they've done what you should do. Uh, and they played a lot of good defense this year. So I don't like what Hudson just did there, though. What did he do? Because he's he, he picks Ryan. So if Ryan wins, he can be like, well, I picked Ryan. But and also, and if I, Centennial I, wins, he's just going to be like, well, you know, I mean, I thought the wheel win. I, I even said up. it. But, you know, I had to be opportunistic. Exactly. And even, yeah. even more diabolical, like, an hour before the show, I sent a text to my boy that was like, hey, I'm picking Burleson Centennial, knowing that this could happen, and I still have the receipt. So, um, well, the, uh, the wheel is just. The well, wheel is just. So I don't think you can go wrong, but, uh, you know, I think it's a great matchup. Well, I guess you we certainly can. can. Someone's going to lose. You can go wrong. <laughs> well, yes, in a literal sense, yes. Yeah, no, no doubt. Hey, before we move on to the next game, Let's take our second ad break of the, of the show and uh, hear from the sponsors once again. Woo! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, another electrifying read. You know, I hate to stop a segment like this in the middle of it, um, but when you get the juice off of like an ad read like that, it's uh, it's certainly worth it. All right, guys. Company and or message that we wholeheartedly endorse. Eh, um, yeah, I'll have to read of what ad gets uh, automatically dropped in, in the software before I can agree to that. Uh, again, we don't want to we don't want to co-sign genocide. Um, all right, guy. Um, Take us on to the next game. That just got dark. Um, I'm curious what that could be, but okay. Uh, so this time we're going to go to um, an area of the state that that Mike and I enjoy very much. Um, it's our small school game of the week. We're going to head to the Hawks Nest. Pleasant Grove's Hawks Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Friday. Josh Gibson, the boys, 4 ad D2's number three team, Texarkana, Pleasant Grove Hawks, who are 4-1. and one. Host another East Texas Power and 4A Division II's number two team in the state, the Gilmer Buckeyes, who are 4-0. Um, as far as the spread, DCTF has this as a one-point game in favor of PG. So, again, basically a pick game here. Um, one thing of note here, and I'm curious if y'all know anything about it, I think it's just a weird scheduling deal where they just couldn't pick a game or, or find a game. But Gilmer's coming off the rare two-week bye heading into this. And I assume they either had an opponent and they fell out or they just could never find one. I don't really yeah. know. I believe the word was they had an opponent. And then when realignment happened, um, the the new coach was like, I'm absolutely not playing Gilmer. <laughs> and, okay. and it fell through that way, which it sucks for the kids. But also I can understand being a new coach and being like, yeah, not exactly thrilled to play Gilmer. Sure. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird schedule quirk and something that stood out. I had to double-check multiple things to make sure it was right, but sure enough, it is a thing. So the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. I'll go second. And once again, Mike keeps locking out. He'll go third. I love Gilmer in this game. If they weren't on a two-week bye and if it wasn't a road game in Texarkana, I'd probably lock this up and do a cut a promo on it. I really like Gilmer in this game the common opponent result with paris i think especially um kind of hits this home where gilmer paris is the worst team that gilmer has played and they beat them 50 to 7 and it wasn't really close meanwhile pleasant grove had a 30 to 14 win that seemed to be a little bit more of an earnest effort Obviously, transitive property does not always work in high school or college football, understanding of that. But when you look at Gilmer's schedule, it is just them kind of beating some really good schools like Chapel Hill, a 4A D1 team by multiple scores. Kilgore, a top 10 4A D1 team by multiple scores. They beat Lindale as well. Like They're essentially sweeping the District of Doom that we talked about in 4A D1 as a 4A D2 team. I think that if Carthage didn't exist, we'd be talking about, 
you know, how special this Gilmer team is. And yeah, I'm crowning them a little bit early considering that Pleasant Grove is going to be a tough game. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, especially off of, you know, 14 days of rest. But I think that what hurts, what's hurt Pleasant Grove in recent years against Gilmer is when you get these up and down, you know, kind of shootout style games, the Pleasant Grove offense just kind of struggles a little bit in those two-minute drill situations to keep pace with Gilmer. So that's why I'm locking in the Buckeyes. Yeah, this is a game that I went back and forth on. I went to go look at Tepper's picks for the week, and he picked Gilmer and felt pretty good about it. I thought, okay, that's that's something to keep in mind because I was kind of thinking PG in my head. Um I think PG is the way more physical team. Every time I see Gilmer, great skill guys, they've got enough size typically for that level in the trenches, but it's never like anything overwhelming. Um, Mike and I went out to PG this past spring, and, and they had some some good names to keep an eye on. Victor Shaw being one of my favorites, and he'll be up front for PG's defense. But uh, I kind of like what Hudson brought up there in that when Gilmer can kind of make a game of track meet, sometimes falls into their favor. Um, and then you look at what they've done with some 4AD1 opponents in non-district play, and it's, it's really impressive. They not have not just won, but they've won uh, pretty handily. So being on the road, it makes me a little bit hesitant, but give me Gilmer. I'm, I might regret this, and, and that's okay, but I'm going to go with Gilmer here. Yeah, just looking over these resumes, I mean, Gilmer's resume is so good. It, it's like – Okay, Chapel Hill, who we think is a pretty good team, beat them pretty handily week one. Um, Kilgore, who we love, beat them pretty handily week two, like you mentioned the Paris game. Really strong resume. I think when you look at these two teams top to bottom, Gilmer has everything you want. But you know what they don't have? They don't have heart and soul. Is that what you're going to say? They don't have heart and soul. Do they play full tilt football at Gilmer, Texas? I don't know. Can't tell you. Do they play it in Pleasant Grove? Absolutely. I'm a loyal guy. I'll go down with the shit because I know that, you know, when I'm down and I'm in my tears and uh, wearing a MacArthur shirt on this podcast, Josh Gibson will call me and say, Mike, you've always ridden for the for the PG. And so I have probably more PG gear in my in my closet than anybody else. I would not feel right picking Gilmer. It is going to be a banger in East Texas. I've been in that stadium. It gets kind of crazy, even for the for the relatively small size of it. Give me the Hawks because nobody gets their team to believe they can, like Josh Gibson. Well, I all I can think about, and then it just oh, beautiful. All I can think about is me, Mike, and Josh taking that selfie picture this past spring and the three big smiles on their face and all the accommodations that were offered. And here I am picking against the man. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Loyalty is, you know, it's it's cheap these days, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Well, it is what it is. Yeah, you can you can switch your pick. No, don't do that. He let's, just wants, let's give, let's give him just 10 wants, seconds to switch the pick. He just wants to take advantage of this. I'm going down with the ship here. I – Full, full, full uh, admission here that all right, guy. You have the seven smart. The smart pick is probably the smart pick is probably Gilmer. I don't know if it isn't even is the smart pick. I guess it is, but I'm going to stick with it. If this were blind resumes, you would pick Gilmer. 
Yeah. Yes, correct. But knowing some of the guys that PG has, it, it, it can make you swing one way. But, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with it. No, screw the seg- seven-second countdown. I'm going to stay with okay. it. But, uh, final? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough one, no doubt. All right, final game of the week. A little bit of a random one, but I was like, let's find a Saturday game that's kind of worth the time and has two fun programs and maybe worth kind of circling around and seeing what's up with it. So we'll go back to the Houston area or, or greater Houston area um, to Guy K Trailer Stadium. Great name there. 11 a.m. Saturday, right when they'll be kicking off in the, the Cotton Bowl as well in Dallas. You've got the full sheer Chargers who are 4-1 and one, hosting the Friendswood Mustangs who are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, neither team is ranked. Uh, the Chargers enter this game as a 22-point favorite. The wheels spoken. Mike will go first. I'll go second. Hudson will go third. Um, solid game in 10-5 AD1. What's y'all's thoughts, boys? So, Fulcher has – their their schedule so far is not incredibly impressive, but they've taken care of business. And their only loss is to Angleton, which I don't think is a bad loss. We wouldn't saw Friendswood in the spring, and as much as I really enjoyed getting to know their head coach and um, loving you know, Braylon Shelby, I didn't come away just blown away by their talent. I do know that um, Fullshear is kind of an offensive dynamo, but Friendswood does have Braylon Shelby, who is a you know a, a USC commit. Obviously, a lot of Texas fans know who he is, a big target for them uh, that went that went by the wayside, but a guy that could kind of change a game plan. I don't know that he's going to be enough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with Fulcher here. Yeah, um, I'm gonna end up doing the same. Uh, one of the reasons why I picked this game is uh, Nick. Or, uh, what is his name? Yeah, Nick Kadadi, the, the head coach at Fulcher's, been a, been a coach that's kind of captured my imagination the last couple of years. I think he's just an interesting. He's really good. He's really good. Um, they score a lot of points under his leadership, and, and there's just a lot of fun that kind of surrounds him. He has some of the best hair in high school football, but his story of how he kind of ended up down here is interesting to me, and he's just kind of one of the more interesting characters just overall within the Texas high school football scene. So that's partly why I picked this game, the Braylon Shelby tied to it as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mike brings up the schedule. Not the most impressive schedule so far by Fulcher, but – Putting up 74 points, 77 points, 53 points, and 50 points, and then even a loss, 40 points, uh, you know, five straight weeks is really impressive. Uh, the Angleton part is kind of interesting to me when they played in somebody with Pulse. Big time. They still they, put up 40. They still put up 40, but they let up some points as well. So there's some interesting dynamics to this. But in the end, give me Fulcher at home. Um, and, and definitely a program that's kind of on the rise maybe to some extent. Um, I think you can kind of answer on this a little bit more, Hudson, but I think there's a lot of people that are moving out that way, and it's an area of growth in oh, yeah. Houston's area. Huge area of growth, and you're kind of seeing it uh, reflect with their prospects as well. Anytime we hear about a kid from Fulshear, it's always, well, he's a 25. Well, he's a 26. Like, their best player – I think their best couple of players are 24s. Mm-hmm. So, very young football team still uh, developing area. Um, they started out as a 4A school and quickly got bumped up to 5A D1, which – you know, before long, there'll be another 6A program. Um, I guess the most interesting angle about this game, overall, the resume favors Fulshear. Interesting common opponent. Both schools beat Magnolia in a shootout. Fulshear, 53-50. to 50. 
Friendswood 41 to 37. And that is the game that Friendswood is just coming off of. So the 22 point spread, like that's one reason why I was kind of excited about that seeing this game on here. I think that the 22 point spread is kind of silly. I I think this is going to be a shootout and this is going to be a um, relatively interesting game. The thing is, uh, like, I I guess I would have leaned Friendswood if Fullshear didn't put up 40 on Angleton. But even though the similar result or the uh, common opponent result are very similar, the ability for Fullshear to put 40 up on an Angleton team that I think beat Manville already. I'll check that real quick. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Angleton beat Manville 24-21. So it's – you know that again. That's a good. That's a good uh, loss. Sure. So that's where I'll roll. We'll all have our earthquake uh, pick, and we're on the same. We're on the same one with full shear. And then I guess I've been asked a couple times for any sort of an update on Braylon Shelby. So this is just a good spot to drop that in. He's locked in with USC. I think it would take something pretty significant, like Alex Grinch or one of his position coaches. Um, you know, moving on to another job to kind of open that one back up. But again, you never know. And he has a family member out there. Is that correct? Or his older brother who set the all-time Louisiana Monroe uh, sack record um, was on the chargers practice squad. I'm not sure of his status right now. Okay. Okay. Yes. No, I'm glad you, 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 point out the DCTF computers 22 point difference there. I kind of saw that as, as kind of funny too. I think some of Fulcher's results weigh that and skew that a little bit. Great point. Um, the, the fact I don't know that if it's that that's going to hold, you know, the fact that they're kind of taking it up a notch when they've got somebody ready to tap out and, you right. know, they're tacking on an extra 20 points or so. Sure. Well, that'll do it. That's the, uh, the five game slate. Pretty good. one. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so any segments anybody wants to call? Any uh, ISOs that people want for poking the bear before we get out of here, Mike? No, I'm good. Um, we do need to talk about our schedules uh, for mm-hmm. next week or this week. Um, on Thursday, I will be in Frisco ISD. Folks, I got an announcement, some breaking news. It appears there may be a ceasefire in my longstanding war with Frisco ISD. We have made some progress in negotiations this week. Um, We may be not. I was originally going to go into this game in a black op, like kind of sneaking in and onto the field. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have to do that. So I'm going to go see Connor Stroh and Frisco Wakeland against Frisco Liberty. And then on Friday, uh, my plan is to go to DeSoto and Mansfield Legacy. DeSoto, uh, of course, home to Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner. And then Mansfield Legacy home to Landon Cleveland, a 2024 safety we really like. Which Frisco ISD facility is that game at, Mike? Uh, it's going to be at Toyota. Okay. I was just curious if that played into it, but I, I've never actually seen a game there, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, no, just, uh, look, sometimes you got to open the lines of communication to get in and see if you could work something out. And that's what we did this week. Good deal. Right. Uh, my schedule, um, is pretty straightforward again. I mean, I'm going to go see Highland Park again. <laughs> um, Although this time it's not so, it is about the documentary and all that that I'm helping with. But I've I've actually had this game circled since last spring. Uh, they they play our good buddies over at Richardson Berkner. 
And I told Coach Brian I would be there, and that's kind of been a, a funny joke between the two of us as we go up against each other this week. Um, so get to go check out some of the young talent over at Berkner that Mike and I saw uh, last February or March. Uh, and then Friday night, um, I think our, our buddy Nick Harris might be joining me. I'll be over at Duncanville's Panther Stadium to watch them host the Waxahachie Indians, see some of that skilled talent that we've mentioned numerous times here on the show from, from the hatch and see how they, how they do against a pretty formidable foe in Duncanville. Curious to see how that goes. And then Saturday uh, I'll be at the state fairgrounds for Texas, Oklahoma on the red river. Uh, shout outs to my good buddy, Chris Heron, Abilene Cooper's great. I think he and I will meet up there at the game. So there's my weekly shout out for him as well as uh, just looking forward to a good time. Um, on my favorite day of the year. Guy, real quick before I get into my schedule, what happened in the Jesuit game? Yeah, so um, best way to put it is in the first half, Jesuit was moving the ball, but then their drives would just fizzle out in inopportune times or Highland Park may make a play that they then didn't make in the second half. So you get to the end of the third quarter, it's 35 to nothing. This game looks all but over. A lot of people had left. I kind of understand that I kind of was snapping my fingers like let's get this thing done um and then some of those plays that weren't going Jesuits way in the first half started going their way Highland Park probably fell asleep a little bit but yeah. they score touchdowns like okay then they kick an onside they get the onside then they got two more stops and you look up and it's 35 28 and they actually got another stop to try and go tie it and and it just didn't work out so um the way I looked at it for Highland Park, it was a they're not going to really play the greatest opponents the next couple of weeks, so they needed a little bit of a test like that. Yeah, you beat the second best team in your district fifty to nothing potentially, like Jesuit. There's not a whole lot the coaches can say, so it gave them probably an opportunity to have a teaching moment, but a little bit concerning. You don't want to let that up in the fourth quarter. How do we feel about the projected round two game against Denton Geyer? I still feel good about it, but okay. that won't cut it. Like I was like I was talking to some of the staff, uh, my good buddy Darren Eason, who um, is on the defensive side of the ball, and he was like, "Look, I, I went and saw Guy in the bye week, and and they're pretty good." He agrees that they're not that great up front; they're kind of small, and just that's not where their talent is. But he's like, "If you think that type of fourth quarter performance is going to cut it, like you're in for a, a, a rude awakening." So. Um, I know they're kind of not looking ahead, but they're preparing for that slowly but surely. And, um, yeah, I still feel good about it, but that that wasn't a great ending last week. And that's probably going to be – round two pick segment, we might expand it to like 10 games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my schedule to get us out of here to – I guess when you're listening to, the, to this today, Thursday, I'm going to be headed back to Williams Stadium in Garland to see Garland Naaman Forest take on the Garland Owls. Marcus Deal, um, you know, the main reason why I'm going. But also, I'm really excited to see Jordan Hudson, the TCU receiver who Texas pursued in the 2022 class. His little brother, Javian, has been uh, is 2025 receiver that's been pretty good for Garland this year. So I'm excited to get eyes on him as well. Um, another element of this game that I'm extremely excited about 
acting as my personal photographer to get him a credential. Uh, one of my best friends in the world, McKay Proctor, uh, listener of the show, OG Anxiety Pal, will be making the trip from Nashville for uh, Red River Week. And so he's going to come by on Thursday for that game. So I'm really excited about that. And then Friday, I'm going to uh, Colleen to see Micah Hudson and the Lake Belton Broncos take on the Colleen Kangaroos. Right. Is Colleen okay this year? They're not half bad. They're not horrible, but I think that because it's a big district, they're probably going to miss out. Okay. It seems that the uh, top four of Midlothian, Red Oak, Shoemaker, and Lake Belton are going to make the playoffs. And, you know, uh, Colleen and I want to say maybe Allison. are kind of in tough spots. All right. Well, hope everybody has a great Red River weekend, Guy. We will I'm sure we'll hear all about it from your experiences. Uh, for Guy Frazier, Hudson Sandish, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.